So I might have to get a new office mic. I haven't found you. That's not the reason. No. That you know of. This script writing sanctuary that I, I have essentially created for myself, it's being violated by a neighbor. Oh, no. Even when I was much younger person, I always knew that I wanted to try to avoid an office job. Like, this was... This was a thing that I was just always aware of. And all of the work that I have ever done, none of it has ever been in a real office. Like, I've worked in a library. I've done a bunch of work in, like, science labs and universities. And, of course, I've worked in schools. And, like, I've done tutoring. And I've done all this kind of stuff. But I was always, like, I I want to absolutely avoid an office as much as possible. And so it's sort of funny to me to realize that now as this adult person, I have intentionally rented an office in a place. And, of course, now I I do have to face some of the problems of an office. And one of those things is neighbors. And so, when I first rented this little writing space, everything was perfect because... I didn't have any real neighbors on either side of me. And I work really early in the morning and I work really late at night and there's usually nobody around. So everything was fantastic. I would, I would walk in, I would do my writing. I would usually be walking out of the building just as all of the other office monkeys were arriving, which is a fantastic feeling right? and and heading out. And then doing the reverse at the end of the day as everybody's leaving the building, like I'm heading back in and these are the best times for me to write. But since coming back from the summer, the office next door to me has been rented. And it has been rented to someone who has my exact schedule. As far as I can tell, at 7 in the morning, maybe 6.30 in the morning, there is nobody else in this entire building except two guys in adjacent offices. One of which who wants to be talking out loud the crazy thing, the things that he is writing, and the other one who wants to be talking to China on the phone about douchebaggy-sounding business things in a really loud voice. And I just... I can't work under these circumstances, Mike. Every morning he's there. Every evening he's there. I think I need to find another, another place to work. I'm very sad. Have you ever communicated with this person in any fashion? No, of course not. Never? No. He's just there. I think he's trying to avoid me, and I'm trying to avoid him. Why don't you go for noise cancelling or something? What do you mean? Like noise cancelling headphones, so you don't have to hear China calls. Well, the problem is that I want to hear myself speak out loud. So if I'm wearing noise cancelling headphones, it doesn't really work. But there's also the problem that I quite frankly don't want someone who can just overhear everything that I'm saying as I'm trying to work out sentences like a crazy person saying the same thing over and over again. But you don't know this person. It doesn't matter if I know the person. I know they're there. And because this office, as far as I can tell, this floor of this building, like with everywhere else in this building, was intended to be an open plan office. They just happened to enclose it in these little cubicles, which as far as I can tell, I just have plaster between all of the walls so you can hear absolutely everything that everybody else is doing. I don't, I don't want somebody else hearing me working out my scripts. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think I have to move, Mike. I think this is, this is the end result of this. It's time to 
pack up all of your electronics into a little napkin and yeah. hide them over a stick and mosey on down to the next office space. That's exactly right. That's what I think is going to have to happen. Are you going to like seriously look for a new place now? Do you think this is some kind of joke? No, no. <laughs> wow. Do I sound like I'm joking to you? <laughs> you do not now. Uh, I just, you know, I remember how hard it was last time. Why don't you just try and force him out? You're very Machiavellian, Mike. This would not have occurred to me. Well, I'm just trying to help you. You think I should be playing fight song out my speaker oh, all God. morning long? This yep. is trying to make business calls. Yep, that song's back in my head again. See you in six months. <laughs> Never forget. This is my fight song. Um, yes, no, it was very hard to find this office. I have I have done some preliminary scouting, which I'm sure must look super suspicious on the security cameras, walking all around the office and trying to see if there's any empty places that don't have neighbors. I may have found one office within the same floor to move at, and I've made some preliminary inquiries, and there may be some offices available in a building that is directly across the street. So I'm, I'm checking things out. But yeah, it's not a joke. I, I really have to move. All it's right. intolerable to have a neighbor who's there at the same time that I want to work. I really just want the entire floor of an office building all to myself to work in. And I, I don't think that's really too much to ask. Well, I mean, it's not too much to ask. <laughs> right. It's just way too much to achieve. <laughs> but so, yes, I'm definitely going to have to move. But I do find it funny that every time I walk into the office and I see the little light on next door to my office, I think, uh oh, What's this guy doing here? Right? I'm always like, don't you have some place to be, buddy? Right? Don't don't you have some family to look after? Or don't you just want to go home? It's always just a funny thought to have when I am also the person who is standing there thinking it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here at this time? Says the person who is standing here at this time. <laughs> Nobody should be here. But of course, I am there. It sounds like from your description of his work that he actually has more of a reason to be there than you. Yeah, as far as I can tell, he definitely does. He's always making calls to different time zones. So he actually has a, like, he needs to be in the office, it sounds like, at those particular times. I just prefer to work at those particular times. I don't think I want this guy's job. No? You don't think you want to be making calls to China at six in the morning? No, I don't think I want to do that. No, it doesn't sound like fun. I did peek in his office, though, because, of course, you can't help but spy a little bit. I'm like, what does this guy do? And it was the most hilarious, stereotypical business office on the inside because he had a bunch of sticky notes up on the wall, oh, nice. but also also had a whiteboard with just words written on it. Words like impact, swiftness, responsiveness. Well, just like randomly or like yeah. were they in sentences? No, just like big, big words just written out, mm. you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, this looks like the inside of a business book, right? Swiftness is important. Like, okay, great. How do you do that? Can he not remember that? <laughs> like, does he have to write it down? Like, I would understand it being there if it was written by a boss in a bigger office, right? Right. But if it's just him on his own, does yeah. he need those reminders? I don't know. I I think when he's making the calls, he looks at the whiteboard with those words written on it. It's like and motivation for impact him. says something to him. It speaks to him about what he does. Um, I think he sounds like a like a hardworking guy, you know. Minutes ago, you wanted me to harass him out of the office, which was not my plan. My plan was to simply relocate like a civilized person. I never said you should 
I just wondered if you had. No, I had not. Okay. I had not. <laughs> you chase him out of town. This office ain't big enough for the both of us, buddy. Yeah, but it isn't. And that's the problem. It really isn't. <laughs> you should sneak in and write things on his whiteboard. No, these doors have locks. I'm not I'm not picking a lock and breaking into somebody's office. So how did you peek in? What, through like a window? Yeah. Just uh, just as with every office building ever, it seems like now, the the fashionable thing is to have doors that are glass, that are partially frosted, but not entirely frosted, so that everybody can just look in. Have you covered yours up? No, Mike, I have not covered mine up, mainly because it's a real pain in the butt to try to cover up the glass door. And you know what? I really don't need to draw any more attention to myself in that <laughs> office. Like, I already taped over some of the lights in the ceiling, oh, because God. the way they were glaring off of my iPad was really annoying. And again, I'm, just, I'm absolutely sure that somebody noticed that half the lights are taped off. And just like, the last thing I need is to put a flag over the door. I think I think that would pretty much guarantee that they that when I request to move to a different office, they would probably just say no. They might do it anyway, because they're just going to be like, oh, has he done something in there that he can't talk about now? And he just wants out? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, there's something hidden under the floorboards, yeah. like when they found me the first day digging them up. Oh, yeah. What's he doing with all the wiring down there? Just preparing the space. <laughs> yeah. Never you mind. Nothing, nothing. I need a new office now. Why? I just can't be in that one anymore. Yeah. That that will literally be my reason. Yeah. The other one is no good. Can I please switch? I've been working in the lobby of my main office to get away from the guy next door to me. Oh, but that's been a joy for everybody. With my mechanical keyboard. Wait a second. Wait Which I'm second. pretty sure has not made anybody happy. So, to escape the one person who talks on the phone. You've moved to the lobby where people are, I'm sure, going in and out all day. How is this better? I guess I do need to explain a few things here. The building that I'm working in made this very, very strange maneuver in that they used to have a nice open lobby with nothing in it. And then they turned it into another open office that they could rent out to many other people, which every time I see it, I think must be the worst open office anywhere in the world because the lobby is all open air and every echo from anywhere in the building everyone in the lobby can hear the elevators talking about opening and closing their doors all day long it bounces off the building it's an absolutely terrible space for anybody to work but i'm presuming that it is profitable for the building owner to rent out so they turned it into an open office but that does also mean that there's a bunch of places for random people like me just to sit down and work if they want to and this is the key thing. As you may remember, my actual writing space has nowhere to sit because I asked them to take the chair away. It only has the standing desk. And so if I'm standing up, what I want to do and what I am most effective at is pacing around, talking out loud and writing. But if I can't do that because somebody else is in the office next door to me talking on the phone, then I have to go sit down and write silently, like I used to do in cafes a bunch. So then I have to relocate to somewhere where there's a chair, and the only place that there is a chair is the big open-air lobby downstairs. And then I bring my noise-canceling headphones and my very loud mechanical keyboard and just work away on a script down there. So that's what I've been doing. But it is, it is non-ideal. The mechanical keyboard is almost like bullying. I don't think it's like bullying. Look, if... 
if I, if I brought this into like a library or something, I would agree with you. Like, yes, this is this is totally inappropriate. But it is already the worst open office anywhere in the world that is the loudest with no. the most echoes with elevator sounds with everything that there could possibly be so i feel like me bringing a mechanical keyboard down there to work and to type on it can't be making it more than one percent more uncomfortable than it was before why don't you just get a chair in the office i don't want a chair in the office if i have a chair in the office then i need to also have a desk that i can sit at it with the chair this is no good you have them they're just stacked on top of each other Right, but the the lower desk is not an appropriate sitting height. Look, it's just easier to go down into the lobby with my keyboard and the iPad. I don't understand what's so hard to understand about this. Like, I just grab it and I go downstairs and this is easier. I don't want a chair in my little office. It'll get in the way when I'm pacing around. That would be no good. Okay. Have I ever sent you a picture of this open office? I don't think I have. There. This is This is a picture of it. That's disgusting. Yeah, isn't it awful? I will just say, however, that like while I, w- I have to work downstairs... And it is non-ideal. In the theme of open offices allow spying, the most interesting thing is that it does seem like the people working in that open office downstairs are some kind of startup accelerator. Well, it looks like they're hamsters, to be honest, <laughs> in some kind of experiment. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. The, the physical setup is is not ideal, but it's interesting to spy, essentially, and to listen in on them practicing their startup pitches for venture capitalists. So if I'm not writing, sometimes I'll take off my headphones and spy. But I feel like it's not spying. You're working in the lobby and talking out loud. I'm just, you know, I just happen to be overhearing the interesting things that you're discussing. Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by Tracker. Smart cars, smartphones, smart homes. Technology has made everything smart, but losing your possessions can sometimes make you feel less than smart. Now, I have a habit of misplacing things at home. I was merely the other day trying to look for something technology-related for the project that I'm working on, and I could not find it in my house, and it took way longer than I wanted it to. And considering I'm looking at moving soon, it's probably best that I try and keep track of my technology. Well, this is what Tracker is all about. It is about making sure that losing things is a thing of the past. Tracker is a coin-sized device that locates misplaced keys, wallets, bags, computers, even pets in seconds. You just pair the tracker to your smartphone, attach it to any item, and find its precise location with just a tap of a button. It's that easy. You can track up to 10 devices at once, and if you lose your phone and you have the tracker nearby, just press the button on your tracker device, and your phone will chime, even if it's on silent. So it's a lovely two-way street here. With over 1.5 million devices, Tracker has the largest crowd GPS network in the world, so your lost item shows up on a map, even if it's miles away. The Tracker app records your lost item's last location on their map, and when another Tracker user comes within a 100-foot range of the item, you'll receive a GPS update of your item's location. You can now personalize your Tracker with a laser-engraved message or a custom-printed image. The lovely folk at Tracker sent me some amazing amazing Cortex-branded tracker devices, and tracker is enabled by Bluetooth LE, so the battery lasts for up to a year. A pro tip, what I've been doing with my trackers, I've been putting them in my suitcases so I can track them and make sure that they're in the airport when I land so I don't have that anxiety of waiting at the baggage claim. With tracker, you'll never lose your possessions again. So you want to go to the tracker.com, but wait, it is spelt like this, T H E. 
T-R-A-C-K-R dot com and enter the promo code Cortex for 30% off your entire order. Once again, that's T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R dot com, promo code Cortex, and you'll get an amazing 30% off. Thank you so much to Tracker for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Mike, are you going to talk about this project that you've been sharing with me for the past couple of weeks? Sending me little links, Mm -hmm. things to look at. Obviously a project that is on your mind a lot, but that you yet seem reluctant to talk about. Are we going to talk about this today? I think we should talk about this today. We're only talking about this today because you're forcing me to talk about this today. I am not forcing you to talk about this. I think you want to talk about this. Oh, I do. But it's hard to do. But it's difficult because I'm working on a new thing, which Mm -hmm. is full of risks. Mm -hmm. um, And I feel like I'm not ready but you're telling me now, it's now or never, basically, that I have to talk about this. Right I think now. we need to talk about this because you've been sending me links, stuff to look at, and I think you are falling for the kind of thing that many people embarking on new projects fall for, which is this idea that you need some kind of perfect plan and everything absolutely ready in place before you can go ahead. So I disagree with your point, but there's mm-hmm. no point in me arguing it until we talk about it. And then we can come back to that about the idea of the perfect plan. Right. But I think from what I have seen, I, I think we should just we should just go from here, even if you don't feel like you're ready, because you never actually will be more ready. So what are you working on, Mike? Tell the people. A YouTube channel. Ooh. What are you going to do on your YouTube channel, Mike? I am working on a vlogging project. Now, mm-hmm. for anybody who doesn't know what vlogging is, the the style in which I am going to be working on is basically just showing things happening in my life and talking about things that I'm interested in. So it's basically just going to be me and the camera and the viewer just maybe going around London or I'm at home and I've got things to show and I've got things to talk about. That's effectively what I'm doing. So I have many influences for this. Um, I've recently become obsessed with Casey Neistat. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been thinking about doing something like this for a while Mm -hmm. because I've been becoming more and more interested in vlogging. And we've spoken about some of the channels that I've been watching on this show. And now I just feel compelled to do this Um, in, in a way... That reminds me of how it felt when I was compelled to begin podcasting. I just feel like I have a thing in my brain that I want to get out. And I feel like I have ideas of how I would do something like this. And instead of just sitting and watching other people's work and being like, I would do it differently. Mm -hmm. I feel like I need to show how I would do it. So this is where this project came from, I think. But I have more reasons than that. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just going to say that as with many projects that people eventually embark on, this is this is something that when we meet up on occasion in person, I feel like you have had this clearly on the back of your mind as something you've been circling around for I don't know, maybe six months, four months, like this has clearly been something that has been mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about vloggers and talking about 
how vlogs are put together, what makes vlogs interesting, what you could do in a vlog. Like this is clearly something that has been growing in your mind over time. And so whenever it was, maybe a week ago, when you finally sent me the first link to take a look at the first thing that you had put together, I was happy. I thought, ah, here we go. Mike's finally getting this out of his head and he's making something happen with this. Yeah. So I don't yet fully have a real plan for what this is going to result in being. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't feel like I'm ready. (laughs) But there are a few things that I do know. Mm -hmm. I know it won't be daily. Oh, yeah? Is that not a thing you have time for in your schedule? Not right now. It Mm -hmm. may turn into that in the future, but right now it's not. And and I am taking a page from your book, and I don't have a schedule in which I will be uploading videos. (laughs) Because as it turns out right now in my life, I don't have something to put together in video form every day. Mm-hmm. because there may be multiple days where it's just me at home. I don't know if I can make a, a, a lot of interesting stuff out of that every single day. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of playing around with it and just seeing what comes out. However, in the last week, I've made three videos. So I've been bitten by the bug. <laughs> you definitely have been. You definitely have been bitten by the bug. And yes, I think I think it's excellent to not necessarily commit yourself to a schedule starting this off. Even though that is the contrary advice to the standard YouTube advice of like, oh, you should definitely have a schedule. Uh, obviously, I don't agree with that. And I think that you should do exactly what you're doing here, which is when you can put something together, put something together. But to commit yourself to a schedule when you are running this whole other podcasting empire on the side and may have many days in a row where your day is sitting in front of a microphone. Like you just, you can't necessarily commit to a particular schedule with that. No. So I think like this is, this is totally, totally the right way to go. Um, Because this is 100% a side project and mm. I have my own business to run, as you say. So, and, I, and I can't jeopardize my real business, which puts food on my table for another little idea that I have, which might be fun. Mm-hmm. So I need to be realistic about it in that way. But I also feel like, at least for listeners of this show, you know, we know that people like to know what happens in the life of someone who's self-employed, and I think I can bring some of that into these videos as well, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. show what my life is like, get a bit of behind the scenes in the type of thing that I do, and maybe also just talk about some of the things and some of the challenges that I go through in trying to run my own business. I can see it as a kind of just a companion to everything that I do, which I mm-hmm. guess is what a vlog is, right? Well, a vlog is what you make it. Right? Like, like for for many vloggers, the vlog is the main thing, right? That this is like the central point of their life. But I think it's also very clear that for tons of vloggers, like including Casey Neistat, that the the vlog is like an additional thing to the prime thing that they do in their life, mm-hmm. right? That and, and and I think that that actually ends up almost almost always tending to be the much more interesting vlogs because you know when the, when the vlog is the central thing in and of itself, it's I don't know it just has a different feeling to me than. This person has an interesting life outside of this vlog, 
and the and the vlog is simply showing you a little bit of what is it like to be this person. And at least for me personally, I don't find it super interesting when it's like, what is it like to be this person? Well, this what it's like to be this person is a person who's always showing you what it's like to be them, right? Like if the vlog is the main thing. So I, I can totally see this as something working for you as a compendium to what it is that you're doing in all kinds of other areas. So I, th- I think this is like, this is an interesting project for you to have on the side. Like, and I'm, and I'm kind of curious to see where this is going to end up going, but, but I'm, I would like to know, like we, you said, you got bitten by the, the, the bug as this is like a thing that you want to do, mm-hmm. but like, why do you think that, happened to you like why do you think this was a project that you became attracted to over time so let me just take this brief aside to say that my channel is youtube.com slash mike hurley <laughs> that's that is that in case you want to go and watch the videos that i've put together right now oh so you're going to the ones that you have shown me you're definitely going to put them up i think so Good, good. You definitely should. Okay. Um, this was this was for the listener. There was a little bit of uncertainty here where Mike was sending me videos and he's like, oh, what do you think about this? Maybe I'll put it up. Maybe I'll don't. And I think you should totally put up those three videos and have them available for people. So yes, put them up. You're all locked in now. Great. Mike's first three videos, they'll be up at youtube.com slash Mike Hurley. So you asked why? Like why videos? Yeah. Why, why is this a thing that has caught your attention to the point at which it's gotten over the barriers of like, is this a project that you should work on? Like, why is it attracted your attention? Why is it a thing that you want to work on? I learned something about myself about five or six years ago that writing is not my thing. Mm -hmm. I can do it. Um, I'm competent at it. I can put out some interesting stuff if I try hard, but I don't enjoy it. And around that time, what I realized was I really loved podcasts, listening to podcasts, and it became a real source of entertainment for me. And then I thought to myself, I could do this. So I did it. And I've now, uh, with a lot of hard work and, and some luck thrown in, I've made it into a business. Recently, maybe in the last year, I have become more interested in YouTube as a medium of entertainment. Previously, YouTube for me was just follow the link from somewhere else and watch this video that people are talking about. But now, I think really since I got an Apple TV, it's become more of a thing in my life because I take breaks in my day. And one of the ways that I take breaks in my day now is to turn on the Apple TV, open the YouTube app and see what the algorithm is giving me. Hmm. And then I've been finding some channels along the way. And I've been watching them and I'm finding myself gravitating more towards watching people in their lives. And I think part of the reason for that is since I've started my business, I spend a lot more time secluded than I used to, Mm. which is fine. I'm not complaining. Uh, I love my life as it is. But I've noticed that. And I think part of it is I'm looking for just to see what other people were doing and there's like a little bit of an escape that i can take by watching somebody take a flight to dubai and spend a day there right Mm -hmm. so i think my brain has kind of gravitated to that so whilst that's been happening to me i've becoming more and more interested 
in YouTube as a medium and video as a medium. So I've just been paying more attention to it. And whilst I had previously been very hesitant of video, I started to see a way that I thought I could put things together without your sort of time investment, Mm -hmm. right? Because that was always my thinking was like, if I made something, would it be something animated because I don't really want to be on camera um, and then thinking, oh, well, how, I'd have to learn all this stuff and it would take me a long, long time to do. But I had some thoughts in my mind where I, th- I thought to myself, I could combine some of the skills that I've learned in crafting audio and editing audio to allow me to create video. So that was kind of the thesis is can I take these skills mm-hmm. to help me create something that I'm happy with with the minimum amount of time invested. So this was just the thing that was like bouncing around in my brain. Like, can I get a good quality video without having to make it all I do in my life? Right. So the more and more of this stuff that I watched, the more and more I felt like I had an idea of what was going on, like how these things were being put together. And like, I couldn't stop seeing the seams Right. So when you were watching when you were watching the vlogs, part of your brain is constantly thinking about how all of the shots are constructed. Yep. Like what is this person doing in this scene? How is this shot arranged? How is this section flowing into this section? Like that's that's what your brain is is kind of running in the background while you're watching vlogs. Yep. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> right. And then I thought to myself, maybe I should try this. And then the thing happened to me that I know means I have to do something now. So in the last few years, all the projects that I've really kind of felt like I needed to try and go out my comfort zone a little bit and try, they all kept me up at night. Mm -hmm. And this kept me up at night, thinking Mm -hmm. about this. Like, I would lay in bed, I would turn everything off, I'd put my head on the pillow, and I wouldn't sleep for, like, two hours because I couldn't stop thinking about doing this. Mm-hmm. So I've decided to do it. One of the big things in podcasting that we talk about all the time is discovery. Right. <laughs> discovery tools. That There's no way for people to find podcasts. It's very, very hard if you've like and listen to one podcast to find other podcasts that you you want to listen to and that 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 comes out of the thing which i think you and i quite like about the podcasting world which is that there is no central authority it's just the wild wild west but a flip side of that is since all of the individual podcasters are kind of doing their own thing and every podcast listener is mostly just an aggregate of all of those individuals there is no central authority to do the correlation and the number crunching to try to figure out if you listen to this you might also want to listen to this and i think podcasting will almost always be facing that kind of discovery problem yeah i've basically like over the last year have realized that the only way to fix this is a way that I'm unhappy with, with my medium, which is to give away all my control. Right, right. So what I've dis- what I've realized is YouTube already fixed this problem with their algorithm. 
and by never letting anyone ever have the control. Right. So it's time for me to give in to the algorithm. <laughs> so I'm going to YouTube. Right. <laughs> and if there's anything I have learned over my YouTube career, it is don't try to fight the algorithm. Right? Just, just accept it as a thing that exists in the world and don't try, don't try to fight that algorithm. I don't think podcasting really needs the algorithm. Um, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the conclusion that I've drawn here is like that can live on its own and continue doing its thing. In my opinion, it's fine as it is. But I want to see what the algorithm can do. I want to see what YouTube's algorithm is capable of. Yeah. Because I know I find more and more interesting things to watch every single day because I'm feeding the algorithm. So now I want to be a part of the algorithm. Right. I think that's that's not an unreasonable thing to do. And and obviously like we we've, we've discussed the YouTube algorithm many times and and of course everybody's individual experience is is different, but I agree with you that I am as as far as all of the the universe of things that try to recommend you stuff, you know, like Amazon tries to figure out what you want to buy, right? Or Netflix tries to figure out what you want to watch next. I'm probably going to rank the YouTube algorithm as as the best of all of the recommendation engines out there. It's the most effective at being correct. Yeah. How successful is it at picking the next video that I want to watch? It's pretty successful if I'm if I'm just on YouTube and I'm and I'm looking at some stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, p- part of that is actually th- this idea of like, don't, you know, don't fight the algorithm. And this notion of YouTube discovery is it is part of the reason why I put the podcasts up on YouTube. Like, I think it's, you know what, like throw it into the YouTube algorithm, right? And and have it be available for YouTube to, to use in this gigantic stew of things people might like. Now, obviously, YouTube is not designed for podcasts but i feel like can't hurt can't hurt to have that stuff up there can't hurt to have cortex in podcast form up on youtube just throw it in there as part of the algorithm but i think what you're doing by doing the vlog and looking at this algorithm is very interesting because unlike unlike the podcasting which is not native you're trying to play the native game and to see to see how many people will find you or find your stuff interesting to watch. So like, here's the, the perfect scenario here, right? For me, like what is the the thing that I'm genuinely aiming for, which is to be in the algorithm and to build a presence on YouTube to feed the podcasts. Hmm. So the podcasts are out of the algorithm and I don't think there's ever going to be a big benefit for the algorithm. Like to mm-hmm. take those in because they're so long, it's completely unideal, right? And and hello, Cortex YouTube subscribers, you're amazing, right? But I could never do what you're doing. Yeah, I, I always find it confusing that as many people listen to podcasts on YouTube as there are. Like there are there are actually a surprising number of podcasts that upload to YouTube. But I I agree with you that that's almost certainly a, a tiny tiny number of people who find a thing that they mm-hmm. like that they didn't know about already. Like I'll take them. That's great. Um, Welcome, but yeah, it's not it's not working within what YouTube really wants, which is video content that's actual engaging video content for people to watch. So it's like that's the business angle for me, 
like is building up uh, an audience from other areas and then letting them know that I have all these podcasts that they can listen to as well as a a way to try and get those out there a little bit more to new people. Right, right. So this is this is discovery in a double sense. Yeah. That that by by extending a pseudopod out into the YouTube world, you can have people discover who you are who might not even be aware of podcasts as a thing that exists. Mm-hmm. Or just mine. Yeah, or just yours. And then bring them into the fold. They're like, oh, I like this Mike Hurley guy. He makes interesting videos and then of course obviously because you're making videos about what you do it will be obvious that you run a podcasting company that this is a thing that you do and also the things that i'll be making videos about are things that i enjoy and i have podcasts about everything that i enjoy (laughs) so it's all going to be you know i think it's just a good way to kind of build that up but the other part of it and the real part of like the real reason i'm doing this is because i like to do new things i find doing new things fun and this is a new skill to learn. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of need this stuff. I need to find new things to keep myself interested in my creative work. And taking risks and going in new directions helps keep me engaged and active in stuff. Because I don't have a side project anymore, really. Mm. Um, and I know from my history that side projects, I enjoy them. So this can now be a kind of a, a side project for me. Yeah, I think all creative people do need side projects. Because I tried doing like side project podcasts, mm-hmm. but that didn't fulfill that part of me. Right. It still just felt like the same thing. You're doing, yeah, you're doing the same thing again mm-hmm. in a in a you know diff- different topic, but it's still the same thing. Because the production is the same. Right. So, like, the, the, the talking part is fun in different ways because it's about different things. But then it's always the same production. And the production for video is very, very different. And I have been surprised how much of my skills are transferable from audio editing to video editing. Many more than I expected, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And also Final Cut Pro is like an oasis in a desert compared to Logic which is just endless sand forever. <laughs> like Final Cut Pro, the new one, Final Cut Pro 10, is super easy to pick up, I found, if you've used any kind of editing tool of any kind in the past. Like There are tools in there that I'm really getting used to, and I'm learning how to do things, and I'm doing silly things, like things that I know are silly, but they're working, and I'm kind of enjoying playing around. Like I have been spending many hours in Final Cut Pro, and they have been just flying by. <laughs> I think this is an interesting thing to point out for side projects as well that are going that or that have a higher likelihood of being successful is that people I see who have successful side projects a, a very common theme is that those side projects are not out of left field from everything else they they remind me of um I think it's I think it's Steven Johnson came up with this term for technology, which is called the adjacent possible of when you think about technological progress. Mm-hmm. There are there are technologies that are adjacently possible to whatever your current level of technology is now. And I think that there's there's an adjacent possible for 
side projects with regards to skills that yes while in in some sense maybe on the surface it looks like doing a vlog is not really related to doing a podcast but you actually do have a lot of skills that are transferable from one to another like stuff is new there's enough that's new and there's enough that's different but everything that you have learned in the past several years about how to cut a podcast that stuff helps you with thinking about how to cut a vlog and even just like you said just there learning how to use logic the fact that you already know how to use logic to edit podcasts makes it way easier to pick up something like final cut like it it makes that adjacent possible much more easy so i i think like this this is a a good sign for a side project when it is it's new but it is also not just totally out of the the realm of skills that you already have like you can you can take skills that you have apply them to this and gain new skills that may feed back into your main project over time Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by the fine folk over at Casper, the company focused on sleep that has created the perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers, eliminating those commission-driven, inflated prices. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms, passing those savings directly to you. And when you're getting rid of the showroom, how do you sell a mattress? Well, you sell it online. Casper has a risk-free online order process you will get a 100 night home trial with the casper you order it online they send it to you you can sleep on it at home for 100 nights if you don't love it they'll pick it up and refund you everything casper understands the importance of sleeping on a mattress before you commit especially because you're going to give a third of your life to it now that mattress that I spoke about, it is award-winning, developed by Casper, has a sleek design, and it is sent to you in an impossibly small box so you can easily get it up the stairs. In addition to the mattress, Casper now also offers an adaptive pillow and soft, breathable sheets as well. Their mattress provides springy latex and supportive memory foam to create a mattress that has, and you know this, just the right sink and just the right bounce and it keeps your temperature regulated through the night as well mattresses cost well over fifteen hundred dollars usually but casper mattresses cost 500 for a twin size 600 for twin xl 750 for full size 850 for queen and 950 for king and they're made in america you can get 50 dollars towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com cortex and using the code cortex at checkout terms and conditions apply thank you so much to casper for their support of this very show the thing that I found the weirdest and the thing that I knew was going to be the hardest is being on camera. Yeah. Is it really comfortable to point uh, your phone, I guess, or whatever you're using at yourself and talk? So I'm using my phone right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to continue using my iPhone for the time being mm-hmm. because the camera on the iPhone is, is really good. I've been shooting in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm uploading in like 1080p. Like there's no point right now in uploading these things in 4K. But I have 4K video. Um, there are a couple of issues with that, uh, that the camera can be a little shaky at points and the audio isn't the best, but I'm trying to add small pieces of equipment to deal with those things. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll let you know what I end up going with there, but I'm, I'm tinkering around with a few things. I did consider buying a, a point and shoot camera for this, but decided against it. Um, just a few people just 
who know me well enough said to me that like you will stop doing this if you have to have equipment that you need to take out into the world like you have this big fiddly camera that you need to deal with like that's going to put you off yeah it's going to be a barrier to putting something together so i'm going with just iphone for the time being i think that's a good decision and as we discussed on earlier shows i think people it's it's easy to overvalue production quality. Exactly. Right? It's like, you know what? <laughs> your, your 4K video on your iPhone, it's probably good enough, right? Yep. Like, it, it probably looks good enough. The thing that was hurting me the most is the audio, because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. But audio in the YouTube world is seems to be nowhere near as important, because I hear some truly terrible things from time oh, to time. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm working out how to do that, and I'm seeing what kind of microphone solutions I can use for my iPhone to try and make it a little bit better. But I'm also seeing what I can do in the edit for it. But being on camera is awkward. Um, and I am a British person, so awkwardness is is embedded deep within me. And I have been trying to record myself in the street Mm-hmm. talking to my phone. Right. And I'm trying to get over that because it's weird. Well, from the video that you sent me the first time, the very first one where you're talking into your phone, you're mm-hmm. walking down the street, looking like a real vlogger, Mike. Yep, that's vlog zero, zero, zero. <laughs> uh, it was funny to see you doing that. I was like, oh, okay, here's here's Mike being a real vlogger. Mm-hmm. Um, what, I, what I wondered, though, was... Was this the first take, or were there many tries of of trying to walk around talking into the phone before you got something that was actually usable? It was the first take, but it was after many attempts at pressing the record button, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) which I kept bailing on. Right. So I was walking down a street, and I think I got three quarters of the way to my destination before I was actually able to film anything. (laughs) It's like, oh, there's too many people around. So I'm just trying to get used to that. And I feel that it's just something that I will eventually get over. Mm -hmm. But like even just talking into the camera at home is weird. Like I never know where to look. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to look at the lens. but You have to look at the lens. That's what you have to do. Every now and then I just look somewhere else for for reasons I don't understand. Because it's like keeping eye contact with somebody, Mm -hmm. which I'm not the best at. So I'm I'm trying to like work these things out of myself. Mm Mm-hmm. But as with most things that I've ever done, I feel like it is kind of best to work these things out in public, which is why I'm going to be publishing all the test videos that I made. Great, great. I'm I'm, I'm very happy to hear that because that, that was my thought as well. It's like, look, you've made these three videos. I think they're good enough to put up, right? It's, it's not like, oh, Mike, Mike, you've done, done something terrible. Like, no, I think you've made three interesting videos, right? As, as like first vlogs. And... At this point, it's like you are well past the proof of concept. Can you film, edit, put together something that could be a vlog on YouTube? Like the answer to that is totally yes. And so at this stage, the only way you're going to make any real progress on like what is this going to be is to just make it live and to start that feedback loop of people are looking at a thing you know, as and as you know, as soon as it goes live, it's going to be totally different in your mind from how you're thinking about it now. As we're having a conversation right when it's still <laughs> private, it's like it's a theoretical thing. Yeah. But I guarantee you, when you 
press the button to make it public, something internal about you will feel very differently about those videos. Because right now I'm proud of them. <laughs> As you should be, Mike. So actually, let's talk about comments. Okay. Because I think this leads very nicely into that. Okay. I have had a real internal struggle with the comments. What do you mean? There's no comments. You haven't put any videos up. Well, the comments that will exist. Oh, okay. It's like as to whether to deal with that, whether to even have them turned on. Oh, Mike. I've I've kind of gone back and forth about it because do I want, I mean, no, I don't, but do I want people leaving comments about my appearance? Because that's definitely going to happen at some point and I need to work out if I'm able to I have to work out how I deal with that because that's going to be very new for me. Like this is a whole new world of things to get used to. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty used to the criticism, uh, constructive and not and unconstructive that gets thrown my way throughout my daily life because I've done a thing for a long period of time. But this is a new thing to to deal with and i'm the decision that i've come to is that i need to embrace the medium so i will be leaving all the comments on oh thank god okay right right. but i need to work out how i deal with it i was uh, i was like as you were talking i was trying to mentally build up the arguments to try to be like mike you really need to have those comments on i know the problem with leaving (laughs) them off is inviting there to be worse than there ever could be but it's about the the getting over the the mental barrier of allowing the world to comment on me and 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 basically inviting criticism yeah um but that's just something i'm just going to have to take in my stride because i the whole point of this project is to understand youtube at a deeper level mm-hmm. so i need to give myself into the platform mm-hmm. and part of the platform historically is comments. It's a big part of what helps people make their videos and it creates community around someone. And so I figure I need to let it fly and deal with it accordingly. Yeah, I think that that, that's the only way to do it, especially especially if you're doing a vlog. Yeah. But if, if if you started a vlog... And you turned comments off. It's a mistake. Not only is it a mistake, I think it is almost an aggressive maneuver, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's how I would perceive it. It's like, here's my life. Yeah. Just accept it. Right. <laughs> I, I have filmed a thing, and I have put it out into the world, and I will receive no commentary on it. Yeah. Right? It's like, <laughs> this is for you to merely enjoy. Right. And it's like, do you know who... Do you know who puts out YouTube videos and turns off the comments with the very attitude of, we have made a thing for you to merely accept and enjoy? Apple, right? No comments on Apple's videos. Yeah. But I feel like they are the height of that example of like, and and Apple hath come down from the mount with AirPods, right? They have made a video about AirPods and they're going to put it up on YouTube yep. and there's no comments. Like Apple is not interested in your YouTube comments. Verily on to the... <laughs> right. And Apple can g- 
get away with it. But it's like, if it still always annoys me that there's like, there's no comments on Apple videos, even though, of course, like, what would they add? Nothing. <laughs> they would have absolutely nothing of quality. But I always, I'm just always so aware that they, they don't have comments. Well, because they made the choice, right? Like the default is comments on and they've decided to turn them off. Right. And I also think if I was the CEO of Apple, I would probably say like, you know, what, let's just turn those comments off. Right. We have nothing to gain. And all it does is almost certainly snarkily undermine whatever the messages we want to get across in these videos. Because the only people that are going to comment on them are people that have an axe to grind. Exactly. But so that is the, the to me, like the pure embodiment of what I think turning off the comments largely is, is like, I have made a thing and you are to just accept it. And Apple can get away with that. But I think especially if anyone out there is like, I want to start a vlog, but I don't want comments, like, don't don't bother. Yeah. Because I think it, it sends the totally wrong message. See, this is the thing. Like, if, if I knew the comments were going to be like Twitter, I would have no problem leaving them on. Because mm-hmm. the vast majority of feedback that I receive on Twitter is positive. And... And a lot of times it's people who enjoy what I do telling me that, which is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. I hope YouTube comments will be like that for me, but I don't know that. So, and and, I, and again, it's just like the criticism that could be levied my way could be very different than what I'm used to. So I'm just wondering how I will deal with that without making a video about the comments, right? Yeah. I mean, look, in, in general, when you're starting something like this, the people who are watching it in the beginning are the people who like you, right? This is how they yeah. have found it in the first place. Hello, Cortex listeners. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't imagine there are very many Cortex listeners who are hate listening to the show. I mean, you know, the people who like to hand wash their dishes, maybe they, they hate listen to the show. But, this, you know, they're just like a, a, a tiny, uninfluential unimportant segment of the audience right they probably won't leave any comments at all but but so like the vast majority of people who are watching the thing like they they will have found it because they listen to the show they're interested in the work that you do they're going to click the link in the show notes they want to see what it's like and if they don't like it they probably just won't say anything at all and if they do like it they'll probably leave a nice comment like that that's how things start in the beginning i i think a lot of the stuff that people complain about with the youtube comments like that that will happen if and when the channel starts to grow right if and if and when your idea of the algorithm picking up on your channel as a vlog to maybe recommend other other viewers like that's when that whole world starts starting where you get comments from people like drive-by comments people who don't really know fully who you are or who have just seen a thing and they click on a video and you know and they don't like the look of you and then they say so right like that's just Mm -hmm. but that that comes later i don't think that that happens right in 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 the start of it and uh i always want to i always want to credit hank green years ago at, at one of the conferences when i was talking to him made an made an interesting point about a shift that happens in the comments to to notice and it's it's the it's the shift when people stop talking to you mm-hmm. in the comments and they start talking about you in the comments like and and that that is when the tone of comments can really change because like that's when the like a channel has grown 
and then people you don't have like your core group of supporters so much right it is people there discussing you as also part of the video right but in but in the beginning people leaving comments will be knowing like oh you're there you're reading the comments and they will leave comments to you which has a very different character than people talking about you so especially when you're starting like i wouldn't seriously worry about people commenting on your beard or whatever like i I don't think that's a concern be nice out there I've been wondering about the branding of this channel as well. And I've been thinking about what that looks like and how to go about that. This is the marketing manager coming out from inside of you. Also the person who's, you know, built a career and that career involves a lot of branding, Mm -hmm. right? There's lots and lots of things that I've had a hand in branding now. Good or bad, but it's just something that I think about now whenever a new project has begun. Mm -hmm. What is the name of the project? What does it look like? So I've decided to go with Mike Hurley as the YouTube channel name Mm -hmm. because I want it to be my name. I don't don't want to give it a name. I don't know what it would be, but just like to come up with a name. Something like Smarter Every Day, right? Like that's like a brand of Mm -hmm. its own. It's not about the person who makes it. Um, but I want it to be about the, the videos are about me, so I figure they should have my name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to go with Mike Hurley, even though it's not the name that I use in other places, just because I think it fits for this channel a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going with. Um, and then I was wondering, and I wanted to get your opinion on this about the avatar that I use. Shall I use my photo that I use in places online, like my typical avatar? Do you mean as opposed to creating some kind of little like a logo. logo-ified yeah. Mike Hurley? Yeah. I mean, I have like a cartoon character version of myself that was oh, made yeah. for some stickers. Oh, right. That one. Yeah, I know that one. Which I could also use. Like, I, I don't know where to go with with that part. Um, because, yeah, I'm just not sure. You might be the wrong person to ask. Yeah, I might be the entirely wrong person to ask about this. Uh, I think I would actually go with that little cartoon logoified sticker version of you. Yeah, I think that's fun, right? I think it could be just a a fun little thing that wouldn't have to change so much. Yeah. Like, I feel like a photo of me would change more often. Yeah, it's it's it can last forever. I think it's relatively fun. And frankly, I think it looks more professional from the start to have a little logo as opposed to just having your face. So I feel like, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't go with the picture of you. I would go with the logoified version of you. That's what I would do. Now I have to try and work out how you change such a thing on YouTube. <laughs> it's very simple, Mike. If you want to change your profile picture, you go to Google+. Plus. You have to change your profile picture on the Google Plus page that you have associated with your YouTube account. And when you change that, uh, nothing will happen on YouTube for quite a while until mysteriously hours later when the caching updates or whatever, then your YouTube logo will change. So it's just just the obvious thing that you would expect. Go over to this Google Plus page that you use for nothing else except changing the logo of your YouTube channel. That's how that works. Oh, that seems easy. Good old Google Plus integration. Yeah. Everybody loves it the best okay so i know this might be a 
This might be kind of a funny thing to ask you, Mike, since at the time of recording, this isn't even up yet, right? This isn't even public, but like, what do you, what do you view as the potential end game or, or outcome of this project? Like what, what does, what does this being a successful side project look like for you? problem is i have no real understanding of youtube from an audience size perspective Mm -hmm. um i mean six figure view counts sound nice (laughs) but that feels almost impossible to get without a lot of work Mm -hmm. so my my feeling is if i can reach five figures within a time where I don't feel like I'm burning out, Mm -hmm. then I'll be happy because that will allow me to continue going. But that's kind of all I have. I don't really have a measurement of success yet. Mm -hmm. I think I will get that once I start. I need to see what the realness of it is. Because even then, like, I'm not saying, like, I think I can get that. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I... I'm very aware that like I'm starting at a good place because I have another thing that I can say to people, Hey, go check out this thing. Right. So I have a way to try and get people in. So I think if I can't achieve 10,000 views on a video within six months, Mm -hmm. then I will know at that point that maybe I need to readdress my efforts. Right. But Hmm. there's a lot of not truly understanding what this is going to look like from a work perspective right now a lot of that is just going to happen as i work through all of this so i have no idea how many videos i'm going to put up in a week or in a month i have no idea right now what it will take to keep me to do this Mm -hmm. i have no idea how much time it's going to take me to do this because right now all I'm doing is making the videos, but there's more than that. You've got to manage it all. Right. Uh, like, I, d- I don't know. So one thing that I do want to do, though, is to address all of this stuff honestly on this show and talk about what it's like to start and try and run this side project and make it something meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be interesting. So it's, it, I'm very open-ended on this because I have no real understanding of what is involved until I actually go out and do it. So like until then, I can't really make up any goals. But I will come back to this show at some point in the near future with some more hard and fast goals based on my experience. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear you sort of throw out a, like a rough number and a and a rough time frame. I really kind of wish I never said that number. Right, but here's like here's here's the thing that I want to I, I, like what I want to make so clear is again to to the listeners. It's very easy to to hear something like that and think like oh there's a particular goal and, and a cutoff. But I like I cannot I cannot emphasize any more strongly how how different a thing is. Once it's really out in the world versus once you're thinking about it before it's even started. 
And so that's why I was like, I was just kind of interested to see, like, are you even going to throw out a number? Because it's just all incredibly unreal before you begin. It doesn't exist. Right. It, yeah, it's just it's just talking about clouds in the sky, right? And, and the, like, all of the various factors, you can't know. You can't know three months from now, how long is it, how long does it take you to make a vlog, right? Maybe three months from now, you become a machine and you can turn out vlogs really, really fast. Yeah, because here's the one thing. I did one of them in two and a half hours. Right. I recorded it, I edited it, and I put it on YouTube because I, mm. I have had them as unlisted videos. And I did that in two and a half hours. Right. You've, you've made a thing and you've put it out in the world, right? And, and so, like, it's, it's there. And all I'm saying is, like, future Mike doesn't know really how much work is this going to be Mm -hmm. future mike doesn't know how successful it's going to be and i think most importantly future mike doesn't know how much he is going to like the thing (laughs) (laughs) why does why does that elicit a laugh because it's true and it's but it's funny i might end up hating this in a month exactly it's it's very easy to imagine a scenario where you feel like i just I, I don't want to do this, right? Like you've you've made videos, even if they're getting views, you just feel like it's not a thing that you want to do. But like this is this is one of the reasons why like I, I have never had any interest in doing a vlog. Like aside from my own desires to kind of live a, a normal, relatively private life, I just know that the the rare occasions when I've even thought about doing a vlog, even if I was going to do something where I'm not appearing in it. I just personally don't like separating a moment where it's like I'm living and doing an interesting thing from I am recording this to show to somebody else. Like I'm just aware as a personality trait, that's not a thing that I I like to do. Again, like maybe I will start to hate that and then won't want to do it anymore. Right. And but like that is that's why I bring it up. Like this is a perfect example of a thing that you don't know where you may find your the the mind of future mike is split constantly thinking about am i enjoying a moment or am i recording a moment for to be used right in in my vlog right like maybe you find out that you you hate that feeling maybe you find out that you really love this feeling and you you notice more in the world like in your very first vlog you did have a little a little remark about how simply by walking down the street and recording things like it is making you more aware, Mm -hmm. like it's making you more aware of what you're doing. And so there's a possibility that even if the vlog does not reach successful numbers, that you personally enjoy a feeling of presence that it brings to you working on this project. And so you want to continue working on this project. That's, that is my ideal situation. Yeah. Is that, ends up not really mattering too much because I enjoy the work and put the time in because that's what happened between 2010 and 2014 when I was making podcasts. Mm -hmm. They weren't getting anywhere fast and I was putting all of my time into them, but I loved doing it. So I just kept doing it and the time didn't really matter too much. That's what I'm hoping I'll get out of this is that I will make more of these videos. I will enjoy making the videos and enjoy putting them out there even if they don't achieve 10,000 views in six months, right? Like, it, then it, it probably won't matter at all. And the way that I'm feeling right now about this project is that I have been excited 
to go out and shoot some stuff. I've been excited every time I had an idea to film something. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like uh, we're, we're going to do some stuff on the weekend that I thought to myself, oh, I can shoot some video there. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about that right now. Um, in a way that I haven't been excited for, for other projects more recently. Like, there have been things where I've been excited about them, but then the idea of the work has dawned on me. But the work isn't really dawning on me right now. And I'm hoping that that remains that way because right now I am actually enjoying the work. Like, I'm really enjoying the edit. I'm enjoying being, like, what I consider funny in it, you know, and, like, doing silly things. And, yeah, I'm enjoying the whole process right now. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that that will remain. Um, and, and I think I'm able to enjoy it because I, I don't find it difficult. Like the actual process of putting them together, which is really the hard work, mm-hmm. I don't find that difficult. And I'm learning and I'm fine with it and I'm actually enjoying it. And this project gives you a reason to get out of the house more. Honestly, this is a big part of it. <laughs> I've been out of the house more this week than I would usually be. Right. Because I am thinking about things to go and take video of. And I'm doing this at a good time for me because with the house stuff, which is so close now, I will be doing a lot of back and forth to the new house, doing things for the house, like going furniture shopping, things that could be interesting to make videos about. Like as I transition from living at home to having my own home and kind of what that process, what that arc is going to be. Like I'm coming into this video making, and I think this actually might even be part of the reason why I want to do this, mm-hmm. is I am about to begin an arc. It's a good time. Right now I can tell a story, and that story will be about how and what it's like for me to move and have my own home. So th- that stuff is already starting to seep into the videos just accidentally <laughs> because it's the thing that's on my mind the most right now. So I'm excited about it and I'm interested in it and I'm like a dog of a bone about things and I, I kind of can't let go of this idea. I feel like I have to just go and do it. So that's what I'm doing. All right. Let's hope it works. <laughs> so go to youtube.com slash Mike Hurley. Don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe to my videos. What you have to tell them, Mike, is go to your channel, watch your videos. Uh-huh. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Like, comment, and subscribe. You have to say that at the end of every video, otherwise the people won't do it. <laughs> You'll see that uh, the, the third video, so there's, well, there will be three videos, there might be more by the time the channel goes live, when the podcast goes live. In the third one of those, I think zero 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 b I put my first subscribe thing at the end, mm-hmm. and it is uh, an emojified version of me begging, so... I figure that that is my approach to uh, asking people to subscribe is to plead with them to do so, which I'm doing right now on the show as well. Please go and subscribe to my channel. And all feedback is welcome. Like from the listeners of this show, um, I would like to hear all of the feedback that they have because I know this is a group that I can trust. You heard the man. Go to his YouTube channel. Good luck, Mike. Thanks, Gray. Oh, and thanks so much for making me talk about this today. See? I know it's good for you. Mm Mm-hmm. 
today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your own website today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code Cortex at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you, because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world, and you'll be able to share it in a simple, easy way with beautiful, professionally designed templates. You don't need to know any coding. You don't need to have ever developed a website before. All you need to know is how you want it to look because with their drag and drop page building tools, you can very easily drag and drop things around, make that website look and feel exactly how you want. You don't need to worry about upgrading. You don't need to worry about security. You don't need to worry about stability. Squarespace takes care of all of this with their state-of-the-art technology. This is why they're trusted by millions of people around the world, including me. I've used Squarespace for years. We even use Squarespace at Relay FM to set up our blog and store because they do it better than anybody else. Why would we bother doing it? Their store is fantastic. Their commerce platform allows anyone to sell physical and digital goods, and they are there when you need them for anything. If you have any question about Squarespace, they have a 24-7 support team with live chat and email. They have teams located around the globe, so they're there to help you when you need it. Squarespace also has a dev platform, so if you do understand code and you want to get in and tinker, you can do that too. If you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called, and their plans start at just $12 a month. Sign up for a free trial today with no credit card needed and start building your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code CORTEX to get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting CORTEX and Relay FM. It has been six months since we last took a look at our home screens and listener Christopher requested that we take another look at them because at least your device has changed significantly since the last time that we spoke about this. Uh, Looking at our iPhones, you moved down to the ridiculous phone, the tiny ridiculous phone, and then I stuck with the correct phone. And we haven't, I have not seen this home screen. I don't know what it's like and I'm interested to see it. Is that how you're trying to brand this? Is that how you're trying to brand the SE as a ridiculous phone? It is ridiculous. I, I, don't, I disagree it, it, with it you. Is it ridiculous. is ridiculous. Like, yeah. it's ridiculous in many senses of the word. Uh, even if you say it's a good phone, and even if I agree it's a good phone, it's still ridiculous because of the way that it is made. It is a phone which is old, which has new stuff in it, which has never happened before. It's ridiculous. It's not a ridiculous phone. Also... It is ridiculous anyway, um, because it's so tiny, and I don't understand how you're able to use that today to do anything, really. Um, so I want to see what your home screen looks like, because I'm hoping that what it displays is that you don't do anything on your phone, because you can't. I feel like you're you're like real bitter about my having walked away from the 6 Plus. In this, in this way that I just, I find is so funny. <laughs> I just think you made the wrong decision, Gray. It, it strikes me as funny, Mike. All, all, I'm, all I'm doing is trying to optimize the devices in my life for the purpose that I want them to serve. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm doing with the tools mm-hmm. that I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, as listeners will almost undoubtedly realize at this point, I have seen your new... 7 plus phone and I was unconvinced to upgrade. Yes, the cameras are awesome. Uh no, I don't like the home button. 
but I just don't, I just don't want to, I just don't want to use a bigger phone. So if I don't want to use a bigger phone, then it is not ridiculous to stick with my SE. It is the correct choice to stick with my SE. And I'm very happy for you that you have a phone that you like. Well, come on then, show me what you got. Okay. So I'm going to send you what the phone looks like at literally this moment. I've done the same for you too. Okay. I don't, I don't actually know if it's going to be that different from last time because I don't remember what it looked like last time. There's only one thing that I think I may have changed, but I can't. Do you even have the link? Do you have the link on hand to the last time we talked about this? Because I'm actually curious. Okay. Oh, all right. You're very prepared. So I've sent you the link. Look at this ridiculous phone. The icons look ginormous because the screen is so tiny. Okay, so I've immediately noticed something here. You have two to-do apps now running what seems to be concurrently. You have to-do and OmniFocus. These are quite similar applications in what they provide, but you have them both running because there are unread counts on each of them. And I am very, very intrigued as to what you're doing here. Yeah, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Even for me and you, this is a whole different level. (laughs) As always, I do like to try to spend a lot of time thinking about the tools that I use for various purposes. And uh, I'm realizing the last time we discussed this, I was in the process of trying to use to-do as my main task manager, which uh, didn't work out, and I switched back to OmniFocus as my main one. But there are there are different task managers are better or worse at different things. And I'm not exactly sure when I did this, but essentially I have found that like there there are several different kinds of tasks in my life that benefit from splitting into separate task managers. And so OmniFocus for me is the big guns in this scenario. Like um, OmniFocus is where I do all of the templating stuff, where I have uh, checklists for projects, you know, for all the podcasts, for the videos. It's the, it's the heavy weight here are the projects that I'm managing in my life kind of thing. But there's a whole bunch of, of little tasks that I, for the longest time, I've always been keeping in my main task manager, but I have benefited from pulling them out. And this is, mm. this is what I'm doing with to do. Mm. So oh, no, here we go. What, what do you mean? Here You're we like go? triggering thoughts in my head again. Okay, so let, let me let me run through what's what's going on here, right? So, <sighs> Mike, you know you're going to be happier after you listen to me explain something, and you see like, if it's is, applicable to your life. This is the problem: is that I see things that you do, I think they're bonkers, and then you find a way to convince me in a way that I'm uncomfortable with. I, like it's just I'm just explaining what I do, and if you can derive value from that, I'm I'm very happy for you that you could find a better way to do things. By the way, I hate washing the dishes now. Just as a bit of follow up, because now whenever I wash the dishes, I can't stop but think about you. <laughs> just so you know. Good. I hope I hope I hope you and all the listeners think about me every time they wash a dish by hand. Mm-hmm. So, 
Okay, so with here's here's what I'm doing with splitting these tasks, and and the easiest the easiest thing to explain is is that um a th- a thing that I've done for a while is I find it really useful to have a kind of um what I call like a boot up and a shutdown checklist that bookends the day. That when I get up, there's a bunch of little things that I just want to do to get the to get the ball rolling. And then at nighttime, when I'm kind of getting ready to end the day, there's also a bunch of little things that I want to do. And so I used to just have all of this stuff in the main task manager, which we'll just say is OmniFocus right at this point, right? So I used to keep everything in OmniFocus and I had a bunch of perspectives set up so that it's like, oh, I could look at a particular perspective and just see all of these little boot up and shut down tasks. But it always caused a problem where somewhere in my system, whether it was on my phone or on my computer, I, I do let badges through, like I'm trying now with badges on the phone a little bit. Um, but I want to see like a number of what are the things that I have to do today. But it was always annoying when I'd be combining two different kinds of things. Like OmniFocus is heavy hitting, here are the main projects, here's your big stuff. But if the number of like items I need to do to say, finish getting up a podcast or finish working on a video, if that number is also combined with other minor things that need to happen, but are not like vitally important stuff, right? Like take your vitamins or, you know, make sure the house is locked up, right? That like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, it bothered me to not have, like what I was always thinking of is I really wish there was some way in OmniFocus to have two different badges so I could like categorize things as like, here's just stuff that you need to do because you're alive, right? And there's things that need to happen, right? Someone needs to take out the trash on a somewhat regular basis. And then there's also like things that are incredibly vital to do. And, and so this is the separation that I've done with to do and with OmniFocus, which I'm which I'm very happy about, is pulling out a lot of minor recurring stuff into to do, mainly so that I can take OmniFocus more seriously in a sense, like to, like to understand when I'm looking at OmniFocus, like these are the things that need to happen today, and that it's it's not getting lumped in with a bunch of routine stuff, which ultimately like i can skip but it's better if i do but is skippable if if something is really occurring and so that's that's one of the reasons why i've pulled this apart and i have to say i'm i'm very very happy with this so i've actually been using to do and omnifocus together and figuring out like which kinds of tasks go into what and one of the other things that I, I quite like is I, I have also set it up uh, so that on my phone in the, the new widget screen, which is in iOS 10, both Todo and OmniFocus have widgets. So I have it set up as well so that I can even just slide over and in the widget screen just immediately see like what are all of these badges in Todo and in OmniFocus. So I can almost kind of treat the widget screen as though it is a single Todo app. It isn't really, but I'm sort of faking it by putting those two widgets at the top and next to each other. So this, this I feel like, gives me a pretty good overview of what's going on. It's like, I can look at my tasks, understand the relative importance 
of what those badges mean. And I can also still check off items throughout the day relatively easily without jumping in and out of two different apps. So that's what that's what's occurring here, Mike. Was that a sigh that I heard over the wire? It's a combination of sighing and anger. <laughs> Why is that? Because I have recently noticed that there are things that I want to put in OmniFocus that I'm not putting in OmniFocus. Mm-hmm. And it is simple tasks, daily tasks. Mm-hmm. And I don't really have, and I know I use a lot of productivity management tools anyway, like but I use them all for different purposes in the same way that you do. And I've been doing that for a while, but there were these little daily tasks that were just not getting recorded anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like I was starting to really forget things, but they were playing on my mind because it's stuff I had to remember to do, but I didn't want to put them on OmniFocus because when I open OmniFocus and look at my forecast, I judge the busyness of my week based on how that looks. Mm-hmm. And the numbers were going too high, right? but it was false. So I was then taking those little tasks out and just trying to remember to do them. That's a failing plan right there. Exactly. Just just try harder, Mike. Just try to remember. No, that's a terrible idea. It's not going to work. So maybe I will investigate this. I've been looking for reasons to try out Todoist because of some of the things that it can do with automation and web stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe I will give that a go because I, I've just got an Amazon Echo and I believe it is possible to hook up IFTTT when it is available in the UK with the Echo. That's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. To speak tasks to the Echo and they'll be recorded in Todoist. Mm -hmm. And I've been wanting to try that out when uh, all of the pieces are in play. So this might be a good reason for that. (sighs) Yeah, like as crazy as it sounds to be running two task managers... And I mean, like when you look at that screen, actually, in a sense, I'm running four, but we'll, we can get to that later. Um, I, I, I really do think that there is a lot of benefit from this split, you know, and I'm, and I'm just I'm looking through just a ton of the kinds of stuff that I have in to do. And they're all items which I'm really happy to have out of OmniFocus and they just somehow feel different. You know, it's, it's things like, you know, just stepping on my scale in the morning to record uh, my weight. I have, as dumb as this sounds, this is always vital. I have just a reminder in the morning to look at my calendar, right, to, to just like, is there anything that's different that's happening today? Or, or is there anything that you need to be aware of? Like that little reminder has saved me so many times, right? Just like, look at your calendar, buddy. Just make sure everything's, everything's as you expect for the day. There's taking vitamins. There's, you know, taking out the trash. I have yeah, shutting shutting down the house. Um, <laughs> a reminder to take out my contacts at night because it's sometimes easy to forget, uh, which is not great. And I have recurring uh, items for as well for roughly how often I need to do the laundry. So like the thing will pop up, but like, you know, you should put in the laundry at this point. There's, there's a whole bunch of minor things, but I, I, I like that to do is pretty good about um, complicated repeats, like have these things occur on these particular days or at these particular intervals. And so I have a lot of stuff which like doesn't have to happen daily, but I just like to have in this little system. Um, and I, I just, I really think that there's a benefit in dividing these from what OmniFocus is, is like, 
I am sitting down and I have some work to do, right? And what I'm not going to do while I have some work to do is get up and put clothes in the laundry, right? Like that's not happening right now. Like I'm sitting down and like today I look at OmniFocus. There's, uh, you know, I have a badge of 26 things on there because I have to run through um, some podcast and some video stuff today. And there's like a bunch of things that have to happen today. It's like, okay, I'm going to grind through these have to happen items yeah so one of the things for today is like it's time to take out the trash but you know what i don't need to do that like i don't need to see that when i'm sitting down at the computer and trying to get a podcast out right like that's i can look at to do when i'm on a little break and say like okay i'm gonna do these things and when i'm sitting down and i'm working i can open up OmniFocus, and it's it's a cleaner division so this is this is something i'm i'm trying and i have to say i like it better than simply having a single to-do application, which is trying to cover all of the bases for all things. Gosh darn you, CGP Grey. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I do. And if it sounds like a good idea, I can't, I can't help that. Like, that's just, this is the way you receive it. It seems like a really good idea. Lots of health and fitness applications on this phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just as with last time uh I, I think i would have mentioned that this is this is part of the idea of what is my phone for and i partly view my phone as a health and fitness assistant and so i've pulled out a row of health related apps just so that they are there and they serve as a kind of reminder uh, they're like they're in my face that like these are things that you should be doing. So that's that's why I have them there uh, because so it makes them easy to to track. I like having them there as a reminder, uh, although I am this is this is the problem with these things. I am slightly annoyed because I don't really use one of those apps anymore, which is the food tracking app, uh, which is called LifeSum, which I will. If you use a food tracking app, I totally recommend this. But in the in the past year. Through consistently using this food tracking app, I have essentially successfully changed my diet in terms of what do I just normally eat on any particular day. Uh, and so I feel like I don't actually need to use this anymore as a behavior change app. Uh, and also in particular, it, I used to really love a feature uh, that they had for the Apple Watch, which would kind of tell you how hungry you are. Which was an which is like a totally amazing and surprisingly useful feature. Which I, again, I highly recommend if you're trying to change your diet. Like you should use LifeSum. It's it's incredibly effective. Uh, but since I have also changed to doing um, fasting in the morning, so I don't have breakfast. I usually don't eat until around lunchtime. That totally throws that feature off as well. So it's like I feel like I don't need to stay on top of what I'm eating because I have changed my diet pretty successfully and. The little app for the watch, which used to be super useful, is not super useful if you skip a meal a day because it's always freaking out that you're you're dying of starvation, uh, which is not true because it turns out that breakfast is a lie. It is not necessary. However, I, I can't have a, a hanging row of apps, right? If I take if I take rid of if I get rid of that one LifeSum app, I have nothing else to put in its place on that nice little health row. And then I'd have a like hanging apps on the bottom. There'd be one blank space. So for the moment, it is there simply because I have nothing else to put there. And I need an app to take up a slot 
so that the bottom row is nice and even, so that the bottom row doesn't go all uneven. Or, worse, mess with that middle row, which is do, clear, to do, and calendar, which is all related to how do I work during the day, that row. Like, that middle row is nice and solid, and it's all, it's all related. So there's one essentially placeholder app, because I have nothing to put in its, in its spot. That's, that's sad. Why is, why is that sad? Well, you know, it would be nice if, you, if the, the, the symmetry was all there. I know how much you like that. You know? Did you have to make your phone layouts aesthetically pleasing? I understand that. <laughs> I don't worry about that as much as you do, but I know that you really care. Yeah, your phone, looking at your phone, you have an unsymmetrical phone layout with Snapchat being the golden icon that is uneven at the bottom on, on that, that page. Yeah, there's a, there's a really good reason for that, though. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a really good reason. I'm forcing myself to try and use Snapchat. Yeah, have fun so with that, buddy. The best way for me to force myself to do it <laughs> is to have a glaring reminder there <laughs> constantly. Yeah, that yeah, that is. I, I do agree. Like that's the purpose of having the blank row on the bottom of your your home page is to allow you to put in stuff that you you want for a different reason. Uh, so like, okay, if you are trying to use Snapchat and you want to put it in that bottom space to force you to use it, I can I can understand that. Um, but it sure does stick out like a sore thumb on the bottom there. Yeah, again, it's like that's the point, mm-hmm. right? The reason it's there is because I know how much it's going to stick out. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's there to kind of push me to be doing. I mean, I urge people, if they've not heard our previous episode about this, to go and listen to it to understand like why you have the folders that have just one app in them. Like, There's a whole reason for that, which is the oh, same yeah. reason as last time. So there will be a link in the show notes to our previous episode where we discuss that in a bit more detail. I just, I just realized that those folders seem so normal and so obviously the correct solution to me that it doesn't even occur to me at this point that anyone would even question it. Well, like, why? Yeah, yeah. Why would you wonder about those folders at the top? It's just mm-hmm. it's self evident that this is this is the best way to do things. Right? Like this is this is obviously the thing. I don't see an email app on your phone. Yeah, there's still no email on the phone. Right. There's no uh, Safari on the phone. Like this this again is is my idea of like what is the phone for? The the phone is for this like health assistant. It's there to hopefully nudge me about the things that i need to do during the day because like it's it's always there so this is a sensible place to like check off to do items or to have uh do remind me at a particular time to do a thing uh, and it does have minimum communication there with messages but like this is this is my idea of like what is the phone for and i just think the phone is is not the place that i am most effective at email so i, I don't really want it there and I don't really want to have the distraction of like randomly looking up stuff on the internet. So that's why those, those items are not there on the phone. Like I, I intentionally remove them uh, to have the, to minimize the role of the phone in my life. What else do you think when you look at my phone? Your phone looks largely the same to me. It is. It is largely the same as last time. Like you haven't changed all that much. You're running lots of beta versions. Look at you, the cool kid with all these beta versions of these apps only oh, I have three you have three you have three there yep i'm cool like that yeah you are cool like that you have 12 unread messages uh, 
combination of being in group messages now that didn't exist before because <laughs> lots and lots of people now because of how good messages is on iOS 10 are moving conversation groups from other places to messages. That's what I'm finding. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding myself receiving more and more messages. Plus every time somebody sends a sticker, it's another message, which Apple, you did so badly. There shouldn't oh. be a notification for every sticker. You get notifications for all the stickers? Yeah. Okay, right. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that shouldn't be the case. That's ridiculous. <laughs> so you receive these notifications, which a lot of the time is just the, just the sticker. Just You don't see it in context mm-hmm. until you open the message. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the problem there, yeah. So that's why you have, you're, you're juggling all of those iMessages. Yeah. Plus, we record for so long. <laughs> Just everyone I know has contacted me in that period of time. So that's why I have 12 unread messages. <laughs> so here's the thing. Our, our phones have not changed very much. But I'm just wondering, should we add watch faces to this at this point? I'm kind of curious what your watch face looks like. What does a Mike Hurley Apple watch face look like? All right, so I sent you my, my watch face. I have to say, Mike, I'm actually quite shocked at your watch face. Well, did you think it was going to be crazy and colorful? I, I like, okay, listeners, Mike Hurley, who started off with a clown vomit home screen on his phone, has an entirely monochrome Apple Watch face. I can't believe that this is, this is your Apple Watch face. Currently, I'm wearing my black band. So I have the second hand, like the hand that counts seconds, mm-hmm. white. If I'm wearing my orange band, I have that orange. If it's my blue i have that blue but the only thing i ever changed the color of is just the second hand so it matches the the watch but it will always be understated because it will be monochrome with just that splash of color in those instances the watch face that i'm using is mm-hmm. the simple watch face because and i used to love the utility face mm-hmm. but what i don't like about the utility face is that there are just random splashes of color on the utility face <laughs> yep looks terrible drives me crazy apple ruined that they just ruined that they totally did. Um, so now I use simple because I like the simple face. I, do, I like it to just be very understated. Um, I don't want it screaming more than it already does. Uh, I completely agree. I think I used utility when the watch first came out. And then when they did that, that update, which yep. added the colors, I was like, well, you're dead to me now, utility yep. face, which is really <laughs> annoying because utility has a key feature that I absolutely love. But it's like, I cannot stand this random color. It looks awful. It looks awful. So I'll talk you through the complications that I use. Yeah, so complications. Let's go clockwise, starting upper left. Now, that is the timer app. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of the things that I do the most with my watch. This may change now because the uh, Amazon Echo has far superior timer features Hmm. in that you can set multiple timers happening at concurrent times. So you can ask for a five-minute timer and a seven-minute timer and a 12-minute timer, and it will just count them all up and you will be told when each of them finishes Mm -hmm. which the apple watch cannot do it is one at a time and when i cook i very frequently need at least two timers going Mm -hmm. so that will i I may end up changing this i don't know um but what what goes there when i travel so this is a a a little life hack for everybody (laughs) when i travel i replace that with my home time zone Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the london time zone goes to the top left when i travel so i always know what time it is in london uh top right i have the activity rings i'm very happy today 
that my activity rings are looking good because it would be very embarrassing <laughs> to have them how they sometimes look. Uh, bottom right is weather, uh, carrot weather, the application carrot weather, which I like very much. Um, and they have is a paid app, and they have a uh, subscription, an extra subscription that you can sign up for to get a complication, a watch complication. So I pay, it's like £2 a year or something for the complication, but it is my favorite. And I love the application and the complication is great because you can customize it to have what elements you want. And I have the temperature and the current weather kind of as a glyph next to it. And then uh, bottom left is Fantastical Mm -hmm. with my next upcoming event. I, I have to say, Mike, I, I'm, I'm still, I feel like I'm still in shock that you would have a watch face that looks so elegant. This is just, I was just, I figured like, okay, let's, let's wait for modular to come on through, right? With a bunch of garbage all over it. Surely that's going to be Mike's watch face. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I feel like my breath is taken away. I can't believe this. It's like the absolute reverse of your phone. How interesting. How very interesting. Well, not anymore. I think my phone is a lot calmer now. That's true. Your your phone has definitely improved. Without a doubt, you have improved. That that wallpaper certainly helps. Your lovely upgrade wallpaper. So, what's going on with your watch face, then? I feel like today is Bizarro Universe Day. Oh, have you got lots of color on here or something? All right. Am I going to be grossed out? Whoa! hey <laughs> Wow, somebody believes in fitness. <laughs> so Gray has changed his watch to one of the new activity ring faces. Mm-hmm. Wow, this screams so much stuff at you. <laughs> Record cortex! <laughs> at the bottom. Yeah, no, this is the... Basically, if somebody just looked at these two images... Yeah, you would not guess whose watch was whose. Well, you would, but you'd be completely wrong. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so, yeah, this is very unexpected. Very unexpected. (laughs) Okay, so let me me explain what's going on here. So I'm I'm using this activity face, which has the bright color rings in the center, uh, which is kind of ugly. I don't know, kind of not. If if your main focus of the watch is the activity rings, they should be in color. Yeah, it's. It, I, I go I go back and forth about this, but but here here is here is the key thing to me. Sort of like I said before, like I like to have little nudges about doing what I'm supposed to do during the day. Like this is part of part of the purpose of my devices is to help me work better. And. Going back to when we mentioned Utility and Apple ruining it with adding little splashes of color, the thing that I absolutely loved in Utility was that it had the calendar on the bottom that actually told you what was happening at that particular time. Now, I think the only watch faces that will do that were, before watchOS 3, Utility, Modular, which I'm not a fan of, and the Mickey Mouse watch face, which is obviously unacceptable. Why, Why is that? I don't need Mickey Mouse on my watch. That's not. This I don't even. Why don't I, I don't even have to explain this? Like obviously, it's just unacceptable. It's awful. Um, and so I was always frustrated that I felt like I couldn't really use a watch face that was also showing me the calendar. But with Watch OS three, 
I was pleasantly surprised to see that this activity watch face does have the calendar at the bottom where it actually says what is the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And I was not a huge fan of having the big, super colorful rings in the center, but I thought, you know what? That is a trade-off that I am totally willing to make in order to get the calendar at the bottom. Because what I, what I do like to do is in my calendar, which has also been a helpful thing that I've been doing this year, is block out the whole day for like what is happening at particular times. Like what should I be working on? Where should I be? I don't always follow it perfectly, but it still is a good rough outline for what's supposed to be happening. How much time do I have available in a day to do things? So I absolutely love that when I check the time, it also shows on the bottom of my watch. Like what in theory should you be doing if you were perfectly listening to past use plan right now? So that's why I've I've gone along with this watch face. I don't mind having the activity stuff in in the center. I like I've kind of gotten used to the the color of it. And besides as the day goes on anyway, I do like to to fill up the rings. So that's really great. And then I have uh, totally done the same to watch complications that you have done, which is uh, I'm using Fantastical in the upper left because you can customize the icon to show you the day and date on that watch face. And I'm using carrot weather in the top right because, again, I want to see the conditions and the current temperature. And so this is this is the watch face that I'm using. However, Mike, however, this is my work watch face. So the way day watch. Well, okay, we don't need to get into all the complications, right? <laughs> but it's like, what I also find very helpful is this idea of context setting. And so this is the watch face that when I am working, this is what I use. And what I really like is when I'm not working, when I feel like I am done for the day, nothing else is going to happen. I intentionally move away from that and I switch to a different watch face, which is this watch face all right well so for anybody there again there are pictures in the show notes but if you would like some theater of the mind here uh gray uses a watch face which is all black with the watch hands and a number one single number Uh, i don't know what that number represents it represents the hour okay this is the new numerals watch face so I have ended up using two of the new watch faces in Watch OS 3. And so I hate that. <laughs> Why? Why do you need a big number which is the hour? You have the watch hands. Okay, I I don't people who use watches where you just have the watch hands I I I cannot mentally divide up a circle that accurately in my head to know what hour it is. If it's not on one of the 90 degree axes, right? If it's not 12, 3, 6, or 9, I have a hard time telling what the heck hour it's supposed to be if it's between those things. So why don't you just use a digital watch face with no complications? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like this one. I feel like there's, it's relatively Hang simple. There's nothing going on. Do we have some uh, form of a function here going on? I think we do. Look at you now. The form of it is not getting in the way of the function. But I, I like I actually like the way that the big number looks. Yeah, but can you tell the time on it then? Like because if you're saying it's difficult for you to guess the number, how do you guess the minutes? This is the same thing like like how I have the fuzzy clock on my Mac. Right? So when I look at my Mac, I've said that I've set it up so that it doesn't say the exact time. It just says 20 past 6. 
right? Because I think like, I don't need to know the time to the minute precision. I just need to know roughly what the time is. Uh-huh. So I feel like this kind of watch face is relatively relaxing because there's very little on it. I don't need to know the time super precisely when I'm not working, right? Because the, the work day is over. It's totally fine to just know like roughly what time it is. But if I had a watch face that was just the hands, I would mess up what the hour is, right? And I like, I need to know what the actual hour of time is when I'm looking at the watch. So that's why I have an on-duty watch face and I have an off-duty watch face. And this is what I have selected as the off-duty watch face. I think it looks good. All right. And also, this one's yellow. Do you not like the yellow, Mike? I think it's a horrible yellow. I have to say, when you take the screenshot, that yellow looks really terrible. It almost is like puce. Yeah. Looking at that screenshot, that yellow does not represent the way it actually looks on the watch. Like, I didn't notice this, but yeah, if I was looking at that yellow, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't pick that. But I'll let you in on a little secret, which is in... All of my calendars and absolutely everything, as we've discussed before, like you have to have colors that mean various things. And in my whole system, yellow is free time. So that's why the watch face is yellow. Work is over. It's just free time. Snapchat's yellow. It is yellow. (laughs) It's the wrong kind of yellow for you, though, huh? (laughs) It's the wrong kind of app for me. That's the problem. 